I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, everybody. It's episode 21 of Flames Nation Radio, the official podcast of the Flames Nation website, part of the Nation Network of websites and podcasts. Uh, we're also br- delivered, like always, by our friends at DoorDash and resp- also sponsored by Eau Claire Distillery's Rupert's Whiskey, the official whiskey of the Calgary Flames. And if there, there's no better way to have a sponsor than one that's an official whiskey of anything. Uh, this week, as per usual, you're joined by me, Ryan, your host co-host Shane Stevenson, and our special guest, uh, our occasional contributor, Mike Gould, occasional contributor to the podcast. He's a, we basically at the, at the network have him chained to a radiator producing content, and we uh, occasionally bring him a bucket of chicken, chicken, well, we usually pay you McNuggets now, right? Just so that you can, yeah. you know, starve to death. Mostly, yeah, that's, that's the remuneration. So it's been, it's been uh, an interesting little bit, it's, we're recording this on Wednesday, the off day between the Flames trip to Minnesota and the Flames hosting the Montreal Canadiens. So by the time you listen to this, it's the day of the game. And it's been a really interesting stretch of hockey for the Flames. Uh, they have won 12 of the last 13 and they've earned some accolades. They're, you know, they're, they're a team who very quietly has become, I, would you call, I, we're not going to pull a Chris Johnson and refer to them as a, as a juggernaut because, you know, okay, we're- yeah, we do. It's just you don't want to step on rakes here. But there, would you call them a powerhouse? Would you call them a, a, a contender? We pull out the contender word to describe the Flames, Mike. What do you think? Uh, well, I mean, I think the easiest thing to do at this juncture is go back to the last time that we saw the Flames playing this well, uh, which would I, which I would say was their last full season, uh, 2018-19, and. The difference between this season and that season primarily in my eyes is they're actually surging after the all-star break, uh, which is something that we definitely didn't see the last time around. And it's weird. You know, we we're coming up on the playoffs. We're seeing them playing some tougher opponents. And instead of having the fear of those opponents and having the fear of getting closer to the playoffs, it's actually seeming to get easier for them. And, and that's, that's the interesting thing for me is that we're seeing them play up to their competition level quite a bit. And, um that's just very unusual <laughs> for the flames so um that's that's something that is definitely very encouraging contender yeah i mean it, it, the west is wide open and especially the pacific is wide open and uh you know vegas isn't doing so hot lately uh edmonton is edmonton uh you know the california teams i need to see more 
because you know never know with those teams so until until i am given any reason to believe otherwise i have to go yeah why not flames can flames can play with anybody right now now shane i know a lot a lot of people who cover this team and and watch this team have traditionally booked travel plans for vacations in april and may uh, obviously this were we, your, your april's out because it's the regular season but are you booking a vacation in may or are you going to be sticking around to watch games because you know this is this is for for me i'm kind of on the same boat as uh, as mike like do, do you think they're uh, a for real good team shane well i would i said it on their local radio so i better keep my opinion backed up pat pat asked me that and i told him i did i did put them in the upper elite tier of teams that were playing uh, and, and, but we shared the same sentiment that that's all fine and dandy. And the coach even said it too. Uh, he had a great media availability as he usually does. And he said, well, there's two seasons. Cause someone mentioned one of the Montreal reporters mentioned, are you peaking too soon? And he goes, no, no, there's no peaks. He's like, there's two different seasons. There's getting to the playoffs and there's the playoffs. And, and so everyone around this team knows the expectation is not only to just get to the playoffs, but also win in the playoffs playoffs it's it's not time to dilly dally around so i do expect them they've got tremendous coverage from michael russo uh one of the athletic writers from minnesota he watched them just play two games and went do, i do, do, do not do, want to play calgary I'll, I'll pull out the quote i, I quoted his uh his recap over on the athletic of uh, the, of the, you know, the, the very great Haley Salvian covered the athletic for, uh, covered the flames of the athletic, but uh, Mike Russo uh, lately, I become really, really enamored with reading road team or opponent reports of the flames because, you know, we, we are in the bubble here. So here's, here's what Mike had to say. Uh, this is his summary of the flames. The flames are Big, heavy, fast, and aggressive. They play with pace, are well-structured in the defensive zone, and are getting Vez in the trophy-like goaltending from Jacob Markstrom. And that led into his discussion of, oh, God, I hope the Wild don't play them in the first round. And I, I think we're, we're – there's – I think that I think there's it's natural to be skeptical. I, I did uh, I did a, a little bit of very very informal polling on, uh, on my Twitter feed today, uh, basically looking at – you know, how people are feeling about the Flames uh, with 30 games left the regular season. So uh, 1.3% said, I think they're lousy. 6.5% said, I'm somewhat skeptical. 78.8% of people said, I'm cautiously optimistic. And 13.5% of respondents said, I'm planning the parade. Now, obviously, it's a Twitter poll that I threw up. And, you know, my, my followers are predominantly, if not exclusively, Flames fans. So... I, I honestly expected to be a little bit more in the plan, the parade side, but I think, you know, I was talking with, uh, with our, uh, our nation network colleague, uh, our EIC, uh, David Quadrelli this, uh, this morning on DM. I'm like, I, I think the, the Flames fan base is a little bit scarred by uh, the, the, what happened in 2019, because, you know, we, we've seen it, you know, I think we felt it in the city. People got really jacked up about the fact that the team is really good. And then they just, they had that last month of the season that wasn't great. And then they ran into a freight train called the Colorado avalanche. And, you know, they, they did, it's happened to them in other times. I mean, and you know, how many times have they been stomped by the Anaheim ducks in the, in the playoffs granted the Anaheim ducks of what the, the 2015 ducks and the 2017 ducks were all just big, heavy veteran savvy just good teams that were almost built to to you know stymie the flames or is there at this point you know 30 games left in the regular season with the flames uh, according to the athletics Tom session 100 percent chance to make the playoffs 
assuming they make the playoffs, is any are there any probable playoff teams in the West that make you a little bit nervous? Or right now, is it sort of just wait and see? Uh, Shane, what do you think? Well, it, let's be honest right now. First round, most likely, is going to be hosted in Calgary. Like, like Calgary is definitely in, in complete front running for not only home ice in the division, but the division actual title uh, above Vegas and whatnot, which would help them in theory. A lot of people are like skeptical because then they'll have to play the upper wildcard team because they're not, the odds of them catching Colorado are still slim. Colorado is nuts right now. So Colorado probably gets the uh, second wild card. Calgary, if they win, get the first wild card, which will be one of the teams that don't make the top four in the central. So that's St. Louis, Minnesota, and Nashville. So, you know, if, if Minnesota drops out, that's a tough out. Minnesota's great. And they were missing two key pieces out of their main uh, forward group. Uh, they, they actually, the only thing they didn't do right in the second game was score. They, they had the majority of the chances. They had the majority of the possession. They had the majority of everything, except Calgary scored on the, the only, the chance that the, the Manjapani goal was the closest chance they got to the front of the net. That, that was the closest that they got to Cam Talbot all night, and they won 5-1. I, I'll so, say this. I'll say this. Having covered Cam Talbot, he's the nice – I felt so bad for Cam Talbot because, like, he he did all the right things, but, like, look at the goals he gave up. I mean, the, the Mangiapane one rubber balled around in front of him and went right to Mangiapane's stick. You had one where defenders don't block the pass, and all of a sudden the guy just tees it off. You have a couple power play goals. Like, there's – I felt bad for the guy. Like he did everything right. He's, you know, he's, he's a, he's an old school veteran guy. He's one of the nicest human beings in sports and just, he's nothing's gone right for Minnesota. And I, I just, Lately, the, yeah. I felt bad for the guy. What, what do you think, Mike, or uh, are there any teams in your wall of jerseys that you're going, Oh God, that's not a good matchup for these guys. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny because the Pacific is generally regarded to be the worst of the two Western conference divisions, but I would actually be more afraid if Calgary remained in it. Um, I would prefer Calgary to play against the central teams, to be honest, because I can very easily see a future where they play against Edmonton and Vegas in the first round and get smoked. And it's, it's, it's funny, but like the flames are on, but on paper in most facets of significantly superior team to both of those teams. but there's something funny about the flames. They're just something funny. And I don't trust them against either of those two teams. I just don't. I, I think if they, yeah, I agree with you. I wouldn't trust them if they did have home ice because they've played so well against Vegas in Calgary That's and they've true. played so well against Edmonton, usually in Calgary. I just yeah. think if you're, if you're, if you're one of those two teams and one of those two coaches, if you're, if you got home ice, you can, you know, hammer the flames to death. You know, you can basically say, you know, Mark, Mark Stone, assuming you're alive and well for the playoffs or for Jack Eichel, you're going to see a steady diet of Brett Ritchie, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Brett Ritchie, all the live long day, Brad Richardson, all the live long day. If, if the Flames play four out of seven at home with, with this coaching staff and this bench, I kind of like their odds and even those two series. Well, yeah, I mean, you're kind of grasping at straws looking at any matchup here because in theory, Calgary should be the better team. You know, that's something that we were looking at here and, and saying that Calgary has all these expected goal matchups. They win all of them, basically. Uh, all the, you know, all the shot attempts, they 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 dominate other teams routinely. The only, um, so hmm? the only team that actually limits shot attempts more than them league wide is Vancouver. 
And we've seen that twice. So which is funny to say. And they just um, played two of the weirdest games you've ever seen where there's the one game where it was basically a staring contest. It was like watching two grandmasters play chess where no one really wanted to give up the middle of the ice for three periods. And then the other game where I think even Daryl Sutter joked that it wasn't really as bad as the score was because but their, their power play or their penalty kill is normally just white hot, gave up three and then a penalty shot. And then like, that's the game. Like it was, it was a close game outside of the flames doing weird, bad stuff in their own zone. So, yeah. but I agree. I agree with you. I think there's, you know, in terms of the style that Calgary plays, I don't know if there's anyone who plays Calgary style right now better than Calgary. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's just, it's just sentimentality probably that keeps me a little bit on edge about playing Edmonton and, Be- and Vegas. Cause I just, I, uh, I can see a billion ways just in my mind's eye that that can go catastrophically wrong. Um, it's just, it's just, it's just lingering trauma, I suppose. Um, hey, you're, you're not you're not you're not the one that lived through the, that amazing uh, end-to-end rush by Theo Fleury to score that overtime winner in a series the Flames lost. They they, lost, they, yeah. they produced just an absolute highlight reel moment mm-hmm. in a series the Flames lost. Yeah, and I I think that's that's the, the 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 thing that I think haunts people just going, oh God, is it going to be another one of those weird things that's going to be in like a retrospective of they lost that series mm-hmm. well it's kind of like when johnny in 15 scored the ot winner to win against the ducks in the second round right and they made backland, it 2-1 but yeah backland. oh backland yeah, yeah. But they, they scored it in overtime and or or they won it they won the game too and it was like a late goal and everyone was like yeah and then, but like you guys sound like people that have been burnt walking home from the red mile before so you you you, that is why your poll was cautiously optimistic because everyone (laughs) i i I chose i was very tactical with the wording i used uh because yeah i think i think the sentiment of fans you know we we i i I don't know about you guys the 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 very common thing i get in the mailbag the very common thing i get in in my mentions after games are like i'm worried are they actually good like i think I think people are are a little bit hesitant. I'd say even a little bit afraid to get emotionally invested again because of how much of a gut punch 2019 was. And I'll say this: you no know, talking to the players, 2019 was a gut punch to the players too. They what? are actually good. The problem is that your money is made in the postseason and they're not there. So they are actually good, but anything hockey's so unpredictable in senses like you said the random bounces for calgary calgary just minnesota played the better game calgary won by four goals like hockey is unpredictable so you get to the postseason you need to do everything you can to try and win and you still might not which sucks the funny thing is looking at that 2018-19 season the flames big addition basically down the stretch was essentially Derek ryan who picked up the pace and was arguably their best player and you, you and season. you could make a case that that fourth line, him, Hathaway, and Andrew Majapani, were easily the team's best, most easily. consistent line for the last two months. Oh, I think easily. Um, that was the line that carried them to the playoffs, which is hilarious in retrospect and should have been a bigger warning sign to all of us than I think it was. Um, this year, we have yet to see that. And their big addition has been a guy who already has five goals in seven games. Um, the type of addition who people have been screaming at the Flames to make for you know years on end, and they finally done it. Especially and you, especially who, you. Who was the yes. last right shot right winger the Flames had that could score over twenty goals? 
I mean, I mean, you could say Elias Lindholm, but um, but I mean, they converted to center, so I yeah, exactly. But but yeah, I mean, you're probably going back. I don't know. Did Yuri Hudler shoot right? No, he was a lefty, wasn't he? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was Iggy. Iggy was the last right shot, right winger that scored over the for the Flames. Yeah, of course. Hey, hey, this this feels like Michael Furland erasure. I don't think he ever hit. Fairly was a left shot. He, shot, he? he shot left as well. It's yeah. the right lefty, hand yeah. shot. That's well, why they had Brower. The the, the the important thing is that we found Michael Furland. So that's true. Uh, for for the for certain broadcasters, we know exactly where Michael Furland is. I I I I'm told he's doing really well. He's okay. happy. He's fishing. He's hanging out with his with his girls. He's coaching. So Michael Furland, wherever you are, glad you're doing well. I mean, uh, as as anyone who's had to deal with any kind of head injury especially anything involving the brain and concussions um they suck in a word and no one should have to try to deal with them and cool. it's really nice to see that uh to hear that furlan's doing well speaking of it's nice to it's you know as we're on that topic i'm i'm kind of astonished like oliver shillington must be made out of rubber i'm so glad he's he, he he's doing well because like I, in i was i was talking with uh, our friend from tsn uh, sound anthology in the press box my way to go downstairs to uh to uh, file the file the, the gamer and all of a sudden you hear the crash and turn around like oh god he's not moving and like i've never in my life seen a saddle alone that quiet and i i've been i was a my dad was a season takeover in the 90s when i regularly saw people reading books and getting people sh- getting shushed for cheering too loud in the saddle alone it was nicknamed the library you could go there with a book or a magazine or the newspaper and no one would ever disturb you because it was that quiet but yeah, yeah I, I i think uh i'll say this if, if you're if you're if you are taking your cues from the hockey operations group they they seem to be really like T- tyler defoley is the kind of cap complicating deal that you make when you think that this year's team is worth making yourself future headaches for and yeah. like to he's he's the guy they should they should have gotten and i think it's pretty it's kind of heartening to see them do it because how many trade deadlines have they gone through i mean not not just under this general manager but i remember i covered one trade deadline under jay feaster where uh the the scuttlebutt was a lot of teams are calling about uh tim jackman and then they just signed tim jackman to an extension because enough teams wanted him even though he was tim jackman i mean i like tim jackman but tim jackman isn't somebody that you hold on to because other teams want him but i don't know who knows was that the same trade deadline that the Flames traded a seventh round pick for Freddie Modine? That might have been the one after oh. the Tom Kostopoulos deadline too. Like that was that, a- that was two years before I think because because Kostopoulos Nonstopoulos came over in the Brett uh, the Brett Sutter trade. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was I remember that was sort of like before Christmas. Um, yeah. that was the uh, that was the Anton Babchuk trade too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, the, and that was back when uh, Daryl Sutter was still GM. Yes. Uh, um, just, just for oh my just, God, we've gone full circle, boys. Just, just for just for a bit of trivia, gentlemen. As of this morning on the Athletic, Don Lashevsky does his uh, his projections and forecasts, and the teams ahead of the Flames. The Flames, according to his forecasting, is a, have a nine percent chance of winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, the teams ahead of them, and this will not add up because this is the te- this is each team's likely scenario, not the likely scenario within the universe of scenarios. Although looking at the math, they might actually add up. Uh, but so the teams ahead of Calgary, ahead of the, their nine percent, are Toronto at ten percent, Florida at ten percent, Tampa Bay at thirteen percent, and Colorado at twenty five percent. So wow. the Flames have the fifth best 
probability of winning the Stanley Cup based on the athletics forecasting. And, you know, they're not they're not right all the time. That's why they're forecasts. If, if Dom is right all the time, Dom would be a lot richer than Dom is. But for, for someone who's doing a lot of good work in the public realm, you know, one, thank you, Dom, for putting these out there. And two, they, they're, they're, I, it's weird, but based on how the team has played in the last month, six weeks, two months, basically since they came back from the COVID stoppage, that feels about right. Well, it's not just the model too. How they play dictates how his model plays out, right? He just has the formula there based on how the team plays in terms of expected goals, limiting chances, stuff like that. So Calgary, if you go back and look at what it was predicted to start the year, Calgary was nowhere near the top of that list. So they've pushed themselves through all their hard work. I mean, that happens when you have a five-game road winning streak and a 10-game winning streak separate from each other all in one season. So they set themselves up nice for the playoffs. Got to wait for the playoffs now. So they can't fall apart either. They've got to stay motivated down the stretch, which has we've seen happen with this team before where they've set themselves up greatly. And then come the last four weeks of the year, post trade deadline, they just crash. So I don't get the sense like, the vibe, I guess, that that's going to happen. The coach likes to remind us that he has the pulse. You know, he's like, oh, I know how to motivate him. Don't worry. So I, I feel like they'll keep it up, but th- that is still something that needs to take place. Can't just assume. You can't just bank the points before you get them. So. I don't think the Flames should be getting complacent. Um, I would like to see them make a couple more moves before the trade deadline. Um, I, I've been over this at length, actually. Um, and I think Pike has too, talking about guys like Kelly Arncroke and then me bringing up crazy names like Zach Parise. But, um, you know, I, I think they, I think Yarncroke makes a lot of sense um, just because I think the Flames have put themselves in a position where they can have really good wing depth basically with any configuration in their lineup, having Kachuk, Coleman, and Toffoli all, all on the right side basically. And then, having Mangiapane and Gaudreau on the left and then Lucic, Dubé, and, you know, but I would like to see one more top nine forward and, 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 you know, ideally somebody who can play both center and wing. Um, so you can move Monaghan down if you need to, or if you can play somebody with Monaghan, if you want, and if Lucic isn't playing super well, which I don't think he has lately. Um, I think you need that extra little bit of versatility. They already have it on the right side and we've seen them use it a little bit. Uh, we've seen them use it to their advantage, swapping Coleman and Foley when they need to, and it's worked. Um, I think Yarncroke makes sense, not only because he's Elias Lindholm's cousin, but also because he kind of reminds me a bit of a, a Michael Backlund light. Uh, and, 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 you know, having that, that guy who can fix your top or your fix your bottom six if in a pinch. You can just put wow. him somewhere and he's, have him be reliable. He's a kind of uh, right hand center would be nice too. To, I, 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 I categorize him as kind of Froleki in that when Fro like Cali Aaron is not the world's greatest offensive player, but he doesn't need to be. The, the value for him is, you know, he's a utility guy who's not bad at anything. And so you could basically put him into any game situation, like say, oh, you know, Trevor Lewis is banged up. You need somebody for the second unit PK, throw Cali Aaron Croak in there. You know, thing, things like that. So I think uh, I think they have a lot of those types of guys that I think would really help them. So, but uh, I think, like I said, one one more. You could never, especially especially if you're thinking this is the year. If your mindset is this is the year or this could be the year, uh, why, not, why not just add one more, right? 
yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Like if, if you're truly this, if this is truly your year, you got to push your chips in. And if you've still got cap space at the deadline, that could be used to add another player, especially when there's other teams like Columbus with $52 million in deadline cap space that could easily broker half of someone's contract for now, obviously the price of a pick, but it's doable. And yeah, you should go all in. I, I, I like the Arn Crook edition most myself because right-hand center um, just for draws all over the ice, certain sides, how, how to win. Uh, not a lot of people and statistically the face-offs don't matter too much, but I mean, it all same adage always comes down to that one face-off you want to win. You want to make sure you have the tools available and you're not shorthanded. So that's always the goal. So I guess, you know, we, you know, Mike, Mike mentioned the, the flames making some additions and, you know, obviously they're going to do some more at the trade deadline. One guy that they haven't really added because he was already on their reserve list, but a, a young player that has a lot of flames fans pretty excited is somehow I would, we were, we were talking in another venue, Mike and I, and Mike sort of floated out the idea of who are the flames top five prospects. And I think, you know, your top four, probably some combination of Dustin Wolf, Jacob Pelche, Connor Zary, and Matt Coronado. But who's your fifth? One guy is making a case for being their fifth best prospect is Rory Karens. And if you don't know who Rory Karens is, one, he was a sixth round pick in 2020. So he got drafted and then had his entire OHL season wiped out. So he spent uh, all of last year hanging out with Mike in the AHL. And he played, oh, Grant, he played, he, he spent two months practicing with the, the Heat and played in four games. And by that, I mean, Rory did, not Mike. Mike didn't play at all. But I mean, the, the, the Flames have been very good under this regime of finding value late in the draft. And a great example of, of that is Rory Cairns because he's uh, just, he's just good. He's there's, he's good at everything. He's the what coming into today, I think second or third, I think second in the OHL in, uh, in scoring. And that earned him an entry-level contract. I mean, for a guy who was, you know, he was, he was a good player in his draft year, but he's small. I mean, OHL small, not small, small. I mean, he's, I think he's listed at five. He was listed five ten in his draft year. I think the, the Flames list him at six foot now. He might be six foot with his skates on. But, I mean, don't matter. You know, they, you know, they, they don't, uh, what's the old saying? They don't put pictures next to the, next to the box score. And they don't really, you know, when, when you score 33 goals in the OHL and 84 points with a good amount of season left, they don't really say, yeah, I mean, he might be second in scoring, but he's, you know, he's not that big. So don't be too excited. I mean, he's, he's a guy who's, I think, earned his, his, uh, his shot at the next level. And I'm, I'm kind of curious what he's going to bring. Cause he bring, he's, you know, in terms of pure scale, he's probably top three or four in the organization right now, at least outside of the NHL. Yeah. The flames have been really good at this. Um, like the uh, last few years for specifics, like even, you know, Jack Beck, really good pick. Like with the Ottawa 67s, I mean, can't say enough about that. And then Ryan Francis is, you know, having a bit of a down year with St. John, but still looks to be a really high upside player. And Rory Cairns, you know, there's a lot there. Uh, he, you know, he played in those four AHL games last year, as you mentioned, and uh, didn't didn't play a whole lot in them. Uh, he was on their fourth line in them. But, um, you know, when you get a guy in the O who produces at that level, no matter the age, you know, it's it's really impressive. And and uh, the fact that he grew up a Flames fan is fun too. Makes you feel old when a kid gets drafted to the Flames and he he, he wore Sean Monaghan's jersey growing up uh, as a fan, which is hilarious. Um, but yeah, no, it's 
it's uh it's good the flames the flames are drafting relatively well under brad Living's tenure uh tenure as gm which is good you know it, it doesn't really seem to matter what position it is they're able to find good bets uh even with the goalie that they took out of the ushl last year uh arseny sergayev um and so yeah i mean it's uh it's really encouraging and uh with karen's i mean we're going to see him in Stockton next year for sure. Um, hopefully he has a long, or the, the hope uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be like, if the heat go on a long run this year, you know, we're not going to see him, but, but uh, you know, next year it's going to be interesting. They're like, hoping, they're hoping that Sue's going to go on a long run in, in the, yeah, I mean, exactly. You know, the, the junior playoffs are probably the most unpredictable thing in the world. I mean, there's yeah. plenty of great teams, powerhouse teams in junior that just fall flat in their face. But I mean, He's real, real good, yeah. and and Sue has a pretty good team. Not a great team, but I don't think there's a lot of great teams in the O this year, and so it's anyone's game. Well, the other interesting thing for me is Stockton centers next year because there's a lot of volatility around that. There's a lot of un, uh, like there's a lot of question marks surrounding who Stockton's going to have basically at every forward position because they got a, they got a lot of Group Six UFAs this year. Uh, with guys like Glenn Godden and Luke Philp and Justin Kirkland. And I think Byron Fraze's contract might be up too. Uh, he's, a, look, he's 30, so he's a pure UFA. Yeah, well, yeah. Don't, quote, don't quote me on that. I, I, I think he's, he was on a two-year contract, and I think this is the last year of it. it, it you are correct. Apply. Yeah, You are correct. Yeah, and so um, Stockton's going to have a lot of holes, <laughs> a lot of holes to fill. And uh, I, I, I don't even know if Jacob Pelche is going to be there next year, and maybe even not Matthew Phillips. We'll see. So it's going to be, there'll probably be a lot of different opportunities for guys. Uh, you know, Connor Zary will get bumped up for sure. We'll see him in the top six most of the time, I think next year. Um, one of Pelichay and Phillips will probably still be there. And so there's one of your wingers on your top line. The rest of the top six is basically anybody's guess. I mean, Marty Post. Ryan Marty Francis, Fossil, maybe. I mean, Ryan Francis, maybe. There's, uh, I, so. I've, I'm a, I'm a big USHL guy. I've been following Ilya Nikolaev. Like, yeah. I don't know if he's NHL contract worthy because he's 20 and he's sort of the Yuri Hoodler of his team in the USHL. He's not a driver, but he always gets a ton of points. Yeah, you bring well, him in an AHL deal and see if he can do an it. AHL deal makes sense there because the Flames, like I said, you know, the the Heat is gonna, the Heat are gonna be such a young team next year. A, such a young team and so you know they're going to sign probably a couple of, of, of ahl veterans to cheap deals you know guys like your alan quines and your byron phrases but um in terms of where rory karen slots in for next year's team i mean it's it's tough to say but you know i i don't I, maybe they keep luke philp and they put karen's on his on his wing or something i mean i don't know if they start karen's at center um it's going to be there's going to be a lot of moving parts. The, he's not going to stay in the same spot the entire season. There's going to be a lot sure. of moving. And I, I think the fascinating thing from a heat perspective is there's so many moving parts at the NHL level. I mean, we talked about yeah. Tyler Toffoli being a guy who was good enough to really mess up your life in, in June, July, when you have to worry about the cap implications, the flames got four guys. We've talked about them once or twice that they need to resign. They, and honestly, if you look at down the roster, do you, Maybe you think about re-signing Good Branson because he's been so, he's so good at so many things that they tend to have trouble finding guys to be good at. I mean, do do you want to be paying 
two mil for that. I don't know. It's not my money. It's not my problem. But at the same point, the Flames could have so many decisions to make that I have no idea. Like, you know, if you if you ask me, like, where's Matthew Phillips playing next year? I don't know. I think it's equally likely that he's a full-time Calgary Flame as it is that he gets punted out of the organization at the draft for a pick. Because, you know, he's a guy that has done everything he can at the AHL. Maybe it's a chance, maybe it's time to give him a chance to the, at the NHL somewhere. Is somewhere at Calgary? I don't think they know yet because I think they need to figure out what their cap situation looks like. And if they're, if you're going to be, let's just put this out there. If you're paying Johnny Gaudreau 9.5 mil and Matthew Kachuk 9.75 or thereabouts, you're going to need some guys making league men, right? Like the reason, the reason why Dan Vladar is such a great thing for the flames is he's pretty good, but he's also dirt cheap. There are yeah. few, if any players in the NHL, like there's a couple of players I think who have somehow 725 K cap hits because they got signed when the cap was lower or when the, the league minimum was lower. And then Phrase. they sort of got grandfathered in. Yeah. Briar face is one of them. But if you're the flames, I mean, the fact that you're getting wins, regular wins from a guy making league minimum is criminal. The fact that they're getting that, you know, they're getting, uh, you know, let's put it out there. They're getting, you know, almost Norris caliber defending out of a, a guy, uh, uh, their second pairing. Oliver Shillington making 750 K who just accepted his qualifying offer and said, sure, whatever. And then came in and just now he's like, if you look at, if you look at the underlines, if you look at the, the, the war, the gar, the spar, the whatever fancy schmancy acronyms you want to look at, he's just real, real good. And some of that's Chris Tanev, who I think is criminally underrated too, but like they're, they're not going to be able to have so many guys making good, good money without having some guys making next to no money. And the next to no money part, I think, is the part that's going to be fascinating because we saw two years ago when Bradfield Living went bargain bin shopping and a lot of them didn't work out because for less than a million bucks, less than $900,000, less than $800,000, you're not going to get really, really good players. You're going to get guys with some holes that you have to gamble with or guys who are looking for bounce backs or guys who are in show me years that no one really wants them to show them on their team. So, I mean, who knows? It's, it's going to be fascinating because... I think this, I think, you know, Shane, you and I talked about this uh, previous episodes between now and let's say August is going to be probably the most fascinating six months in the franchises, probably last 20, 25 years because of. We said between when the season ends and when the draft is, is kind of like, it's going to be very curious to see what goes on. There's going to be so many dominoes. Tremendous, not tremendous, but his tendency to do moves at the draft is quite high. He, he tends to do business at the draft always seemingly every year. And because it's so easy to do business be, at the draft, man. I mean, everyone's yeah, there move down, move down four picks and get a third round pick and draft part, part of uh, yeah, Jeremy Poyer. Like I, he's I, coming I've, too, by the way. I've, I've had, him. I've had the good fortune of covering two drafts in person and people, people in the media risers. So I'm, I, I don't know if you, uh, anyone who hasn't seen a, a live draft. So basically you're set up in a hockey rink and it's like an oval. And then at one end, you have the, you know, the one goal end, you have the podium and the stage. And then at the other end, you have the media risers where all of us goons are sort of sitting at tables, with their laptops, with their binoculars out. And why do we have binoculars? Because what's in front of us is 32 tables representing each of the league's 32 teams. And there are GMs or AGMs or scouts or the owner's nephew, because it's always the owner's nephew who's the little kid in the, in the hat with the jersey running around. But they, you have everyone sitting around and they have a phone and then the GM gets up, I mean, you know, before, 
the year that they, the, the, the year that they made the uh the place made the in chicago the uh the hammock trade people were like wait what the hell is where's tree is he talking to cross snow like we yeah you got you got hints of it but you need your binoculars out so the reason why everyone does business the draft is because it's like summer camp everybody's there <laughs> it's summer it's nice out usually you're in a fun city you, you get you get you get away from the wife and kids you get to hang out with your buddies you get to make trades you get to draft new kids it's real fun and i can understand like the media media folks get jacked about the draft because the draft is fun and it's like that for hockey ops people too so why does Brad like love the draft? Because the draft is awesome to make trades at. And also to pick players in the sixth round that ended up playing for your team. Just before we move off Karen's, I do want to say that he he's gonna be, it's not like he's gonna immediately go right to the show or anything like that. Like we've seen with Pelche, the Flames want to develop their players, they want them to find success at the lower level before coming up. So he's gonna have plenty of opportunity and he's gonna as long as he works his butt off, he's gonna be. He's going to learn how to play on the defensive side of the puck and learn how to play a checking Daryl Sutter checking style. And, you know, as, as long as he's got those tools, he's got a great transition game to get through the neutral zone, which helps. So he, he's going to be given the tools and he's going to give him the time to develop into something that he could be. So uh, and, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm excited about this new look flames development path and not rushing people like they did with, Sam Bennett or Dylan Dubé, uh, things like that. It'll allow them to be better in the long run. So I'm excited. Someone like Karen's talent is going to be taken care of with this new regime. Now, while while we are in the stock and eat, Mike, the 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 Flames just got another AHL goaltender, a guy you love because he wears the number three. I people people were freaking out on Twitter because the the Flames traded nothing literally nothing absolutely nothing not a pick not a prospect not a bag of pucks absolutely dirt worse nothing to the montreal Canadiens for i believe laval rocket third string goalie right now he was now he's the heat's third string goalie michael mcniven mike what do you make of mr mcniven i mean i've seen all sorts of baffling prognostications about this trade suggesting that the Flames are moving on from Dustin Wolf, or the Flames are moving on from Dan Vladar, or the Flames are moving on from Daniil Chechelev. And it's just like, no, <laughs> no. This is a move that is intended to address the goaltending position in a franchise where its two top teams are gearing up for potentially long playoff runs. And, uh, um, you know, y- you have a guy in McNiven who is a mop-up guy uh, who can come in and, if the goalie gets hurt, I suppose. Um, and, and, and I, I would say the most notable thing probably about Michael McNiven is your, your, his, his Jersey number, which is extremely yeah, unusual but for he a won't be, He won't be able to wear that in Stockton unless he has a talk with Connor Mackey or, or no, Greg Morrow yeah, is three. It's Greg Morrow. It's open. Greg Morrow. Oh man. Greg Morrow keeps getting jobbed out. I mean, Greg Morrow, he, he you know, He's back in yeah. Kansas City now. I bet you he's fuming knowing his jersey number yeah. is going to go to Michael McNiven. Yeah, maybe McNiven will take like number. No, he can't take two because Mackie has two. Gravel has four. Pullman has five. Uh, Valamaki is six. D. Simone who, who is has, seven. Who has number one? Uh, uh, nobody. Tyler Parsons had number one. So, there you, you go. so I guess uh, hopefully Michael McNiven takes number one because that way he yeah. won't start any locker room fights by by yeah. jostling up anyone's numbers. 
Yeah. So and or, organizationally, league wide, like the Flames have been pretty good at keeping their goalie numbers and generally their player numbers pretty consistent from the AHL to the NHL yep. when they can. Justin Wolf for thirty-two for the for the Everett Silver Tips. I believe I don't know this. It's either I keep telling myself it's a Kelly Rudy homage. I know that's not true because quick. it's definitely a Jonathan Quick homage because yeah. he grew up in Tustin right around the time where the Kings were so good. It as an aside, yeah. wouldn't it, for, for someone who who lived grew up in the LA area uh, when the the Kings were winning cups, it must have been fun for 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 Dustin Wolf to come up for a couple of days and and uh, get to be I guess coach for a morning skate and not a, any part of a game by Daryl Sutter. But that's yeah. But well, anyway, I'm, so I'm, yeah, t- I'm talking to Dustin tomorrow. I might ask him that. Um, D- Dustin Wolf, yeah, he he wore 32 as a in, as an Everett Silver Tip. He wore 32 in Stockton. He's worn 30. He wore 32 in his one game dressing for the Flames. So thankfully, Michael McNiven won't need to to ruffle any feathers. Hopefully, by taking someone's number because you know numbers are sacred when when they can be. Unless you're at the Olympics and everybody takes a weird number because there's too many people who want number 12. Yeah, yeah. I'm literally <laughs> adding that. Uh, Dustin Wolf, LA Kings, Daryl Sutter connection to my notes for the Wolf interview tomorrow. Right now, um, happy but, uh, happy we could help. Teamwork makes the dream um, work. It's true. Um, yeah, I, I I was like you. I got I I sent a couple of texts being like, "What's going on?" And I was told nothing's really going on. It's just uh, Montreal has too many goalies, and the Flames were like, "We could do only for you. We don't care." And Montreal was like, "Would you please?" So. Yeah, they're getting they're getting a free goalie, and Adam Verner's a pending Group Six free agent. And as far as I know, uh, so young Master uh, Mister uh, McNiven, his birthday he turns twenty five in July. Typically, yeah, July the the cutoff is the thirty is June thirtieth. For you have to be twenty five as of group as of June thirtieth, and yeah. not have played a certain number of games, and there's a whole bunch of other qualifications. And we we checked. As far as I was told, the the group six date didn't slide. It's still group yeah. six is based on your age on on the twenty fifth or on you have to be twenty five or older when your contract expires on June thirtieth. And McNiven is going to be twenty four. He doesn't have twenty five till later. Adam yeah. Verner is going to be 24, 25 at that point. So the fact that he's you know six months younger than Adam Verner probably gets him in, in at the very least a. a you know, you'll probably get qualified. He might, you know, it, it gives the, it's a kind of deal where Montreal gets rid of a contract of a guy that wasn't really in their plans and the flames get a free look at a guy they kind of like, and a guy who might replace Adam Werner or might not, or maybe they don't even qualify and they bring in someone from Europe or somewhere. Like it, it gives them a ton of flexibility where they don't out of necessity have to have poor Danilo Chechilev forced to be the backup in Stockton next year. Grant, I think, I think we're going to see Chechilev in the AHL at various points next year or two, but I mean, you don't want to rush him. He's 20. He's played what? less than a half a season in the NH in, in North America. So you, you got to let him ease in, but well, what happens here if Jacob Markstrom gets injured? Okay. We Jacob canceled, the, we canceled the parade. That's we the first cancel thing. the parade. Cancel the season. Your NHL tandem <laughs> becomes immediately becomes Dustin Wolf and Adam Burner or sorry, D- Dustin Wolf and uh, Dan Vladar. Darth, baby. Uh, uh, and, and, and you, you, you hope and pray that Dustin Wolf is somehow capable of being an NHL starter at this point um and then all of a sudden what's your ahl tendon in the, in, the, the... in the middle of the calder cup playoffs stockton would lose their number one goalie and what yeah. they have to do it would be andrew shorter and chechelev and and matt greenfield not to be andrew shortridge but um 
it, mm. it would be uh it would be rough um it would not it, it wouldn't be ideal it would not be your ideal goaltending situation um and, it, and need, to a certain extent if you want to if we're being nice about this it's kind of unfair to the Andrew Shortridge's of the world to throw them in the deep end like that where they oh, yeah. played all year so yeah exactly so yeah you know you 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 make this deal it is uh, organizational need i honestly think we've probably talked about it more than the flames did before they made the trade so uh i think it's uh because the fans demanded it with their yeah, constant is... twitter questions Flames asking fans. us what the hell is going on well Flames they got a... to have a hidden meaning behind they, everything <laughs> they, they they got a free goalie they they got a free goalie because montreal had too many goalies and montreal couldn't put him anywhere else so they said hey flames do you want his free goalie and they said sure do my guess, my guess is, my guess is, if I'm being nice about this, Kent Hughes probably looked in his phone to see who the last GM he made a trade with was, and then it's like, oh, why not? And then just Kent redial and called Brad up and said, "Do you want a free goalie?" And Brad, being the the uh, you know the the very stingy type, doesn't like having to give up things for things. Says, "Okay." Brad loves his depth. Like, why are we surprised at this? <laughs> look at look how random goalies are too oh yeah right like like jordan bennington was a that was the goaltender name before. I was thinking of. jordan bennington was the fourth string goaltender the year the blues won the cup he started yeah. that year as their fourth Huso was their fifth now look yeah. at them now yeah, look at them. he's got sense. a cup like you want a free goalie sure why the heck not goalies are goalies are goalies exactly are exactly take it was it was it uh, uh it was jake allen was john gillies one of them no was, was no. halak there at the time still no, no, Halak was, was in Boston. It was it was Jake Allen and yeah. someone else, and, someone and else. then it was Huso and uh, Bennington at the AHL level, and they all got hurt. The only reason Bennington started playing games. Oh, you know who it was? It was Chad Johnson. Yes, it was. Yeah, of course. Calgary forever aflame, Chad Johnson. And, yeah. and and they got hurt, and they were dead last. And they said, "Why the heck not? Like, go play." And Jordan Bennington took them on that like twenty six three and three run to the playoffs and then the cup and so it's like yeah okay you want a free goaltender i, I would i i'm like well what doesn't hurt to go look at them ourselves and if you trust your own coaching staff more than you trust other people's coaching staff to bring people along then that also helps too right so take the free goaltender that's what it is You're probably going to amount to literally nothing and we move on <laughs> yeah hey probably. hey goaltenders are people too i'm told uh, it was Chad Johnson. It was Chad Johnson. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. Just anyway, pop in my head. <laughs> now onto something completely different: the the un, the rapidly unfolding situation in Ukraine. Uh, without taking sides here, Russia, you're being assholes. Stop it. Uh, there, we didn't take sides. Though so the the real the, the we've you know without getting overly political, the people aren't the same as their governments, and unfortunately, there's a lot of. Uh, Russian players uh, who have been put in a very awkward position. Same with the Belarusian players in the National Hockey League and the American Hockey League and playing throughout the world. Uh, definitely in a really shitty situation is everyone who hails from Ukraine. So let's not gloss that over. But for the, so as part of the hockey community's response to this, uh, Russia and Belarus have basically been kicked out of hockey. Um, they're kicked out of the, the NHL EA game. They're, they're being taken out of the game the russian league they, they took the russian the russian league out of fifa i mean they got kicked out of the soccer soccer the soccer uh you know playstation game which is kind of weird because 
I mean, it's only soccer, but it's kind of, it's kind of interesting how a lot of the organizations have, have responded. Uh, one of the things that IIHF did early this week is they passed a resolution where basically until they decide they're back in, the Russia and Belarus are not going to be permitted to play in any IIHF sanctioned tournaments. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't impact the Calgary Flames prospects a bit. Uh, obviously, we talked about the NHL team. Typically, uh, NHL players of teams that don't make the playoffs or miss the or lose in the first round play in the World Championships. So in this case, Nikita Zadorov would have maybe have had a chance to play in the Worlds. Uh, the Flames, I'm willing to say, will be busy at least during the first part of the World Championships. So. I don't think Zadorov would have been an option for the Russians, but they're not going. So he doesn't have the option to make a team that can't go. Uh, similarly, in the in the American Hockey League, Ilya Solovyov is playing. He's uh, a Belarusian. He's he's represented. Uh, I believe he he played for Belarus. I think in the Olympic qualifiers, if I'm remaining correctly, I might be misremembering. But in in the summer, he played on their Olympic qualifying team. So uh, Belarus is in the the championship division this year, the very top division of the World Championships, where they would be if not for the war. So they're not going. And again, much like Mike was alluding to, uh, the Stockton Heat are expected to go reasonably far in the playoffs. Let's say Stockton will probably get two rounds out of it. So again, that would have overlapped with the World Championships. Same with, uh, you know, I don't think Dmitry Zavgarodny would have been an option for Russia. Usually they have a, a deeper roster of KHL players to go from. They don't need to go to the American Hockey League to the the third and fourth lines of AHL teams, but he wouldn't be an, you know, he, he would, he can't play in that tournament. Now uh, Arseny Sergaev is too old for the world championships or too old for the world juniors. So is Ilya, Ilya Nikolaev. Uh, both of them would be probably busy during the, the uh, USHL playoffs too busy to play in the worlds. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's an awkward situation with a lot of, a lot of people sort of caught in the middle of really dumb decisions made by politicians and idiots. But uh, for the time being, hopefully things resolve themselves in uh, the most peaceful and bloodless way possible. I don't think that'll happen, but we can hope. So uh, if, you, if you know anyone from Ukraine, uh, check in on your friends, uh, even if they're not living in Ukraine. It's, been a very, it's obviously a very stressful time for anyone who either is from Ukraine, lived in Ukraine, knows anyone from, from Ukraine. So I think we've probably covered that more than it needs to be covered because, you know, but we just we just thought it was probably a good idea to just mention it in case anyone was curious about, ooh, does this impact anything? The short answer is uh, players who wouldn't have been probably playing in the tournaments anyway because of their club teams being busy aren't allowed to play in the tournaments anymore because the teams aren't allowed to play. So I think that's a short form of it. Uh, and now uh, to something completely different and to end on something hopefully upbeat. So Hopefully it goes well. They're, they're, uh, starting on Thursday, which should be the day you're listening to this, folks, uh, the Flames are allowed to have fans in the, in the building at full capacity again. And to commemorate that, and again, hopefully that goes well. Uh, people, if you're listening to this before you go to the game, be nice to each other. It's going to be it's going to be a little bit awkward. People might not be used to being around that many people. So be, you know, as much as you can be cognizant of each other's space and comfort, as, you know, because, you know, it's... It's it's the it's the first try. It's a lot of people, you know, stepping out of their comfort zone and dipping their toes in the water for the first time in a long time. And it's the first uh, I did a TV hit about this actually today. This is the first uh, the first full capacity no restrictions home game the Flames have had in two years since that International Women's Day game where they lost five to two, I believe, to the Vegas Golden Knights. So they're playing Montreal, which will make the building fun. 
and it'll you know it, it's a full it'll be a full house hopefully and that'll make the building fun but i'm just curious since we're since we're celebrating the return of fans back to the saddle home and all due respect to the fans who've been going to the saddle home all, all this time we appreciate you you made a lot of noise now you have some help so in could commemorate that gentlemen i'll start with you mike mike okay two questions related questions what's your favorite snack to walk to eat during a game when you're in the saddle home and what's your favorite snack to eat during a hockey game when you're at home? Uh, when I'm at home, I usually just have a big bowl of soup. I like a good uh, canned soup. Uh, you know, do you have vegetable. a go? Do you have a go-to but soup? Usually just, you know, a Campbell's uh, vegetable soup. It's just a, just a nice soup. I don't know. I, I like soup. Um, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's warm. It's like a that's, hug for your insides. That, that's a good, that's actually a good, good call. Okay, what's your what's your what's your dome what's your dome go to? Uh, saddle them. I keep it really simple. I just go with the nachos, uh, just cheese. Um, usually try and get uh, try and finagle them into filling up both sides of the uh, the cup uh, with cheese. Uh, usually they tried to charge me extra. Um, fun little insider fact: um, when I worked at the saddle home, uh, a lot of people don't know this. Uh, Pike knows this, but they 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 have their own dedicated cafeteria in the bowels of the dome. And uh, it's uh, the, the prices. You, you wish you could get the food at those prices. You know, you can get nachos for three bucks, get a, you know, a Snickers bar for a buck 25, get a bottle of Coke for two bucks. I mean, it's just like you're at the store instead of paying through the nose for the, the saddle home experience in the concourse. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just stick with the nachos, uh, maybe get some Twizzlers or some uh get a drink yeah i don't go for the pocket dogs though i used to i used to be really into that um haven't i don't think i've had a pocket dog in six or seven years though um just not really my thing anymore uh, hey, what, sure why, why not did you did you did you fall out of love with them did you have a bad experience the pocket dog i just you find that on the side of the road <laughs> i just find the bread is there's too much bread like i find it's overbearing um, okay and, and, you, you know you don't have to eat the whole bun right like it's no one's gonna. Yeah, but, you can throw out the bun. I mean, if you eat most of it, I mean, no yeah, one's gonna be mad at you. Re- why not just get a regular hot dog? Then the ratio is actually proper there. Like you know, it's, I mean, you can get it with the ketchup, and it's just all there. And instead of having it all stuffed at the bottom of the pocket dog, I don't know. I'm not. It's okay. Know. Okay. It's not, not really I, I I I like the soup idea. The uh, I uh, for the the I don't know if they still have it in the upper upper deck of uh, Safeco Field, in Seattle. They have mm. uh, they have a place that sells clam chowder, and they sell clam ch- hot clam chowder in a bread bowl. I love so clam it's like, chowder. It's the weirdest. It's the weirdest thing to eat at a baseball game at first, and then you get halfway through it, and you're like, "Where is this, this in really my good. life?" So, any, anyone who has a chance to go to the Emerald City, go out of your way to go to a go to a Mariners game, preferably when the Blue Jays are playing, preferably when they're not locked out, and uh, you know, go uh, go have some clam chowder at a baseball field. Uh, Shane, what what are your go tos? Okay, debate. The debate I see is: is a pocket dog a snack, or is it considered the same level meal like you're getting a burger? Like that. That that's that's the dichotomy. If it is a snack, I do usually go for the bacon cheddar pocket dog with mustard and ranch. Um, that I got. I, I'm making white cringe. That's fine. God, I got my awful. I got my girlfriend hooked onto it too. She loves them now. So, but snack wise, I went to the World Juniors when they were hosted in Calgary, and I went to every single game in 2012. That was the Kuznetsov Bushnell Canada year, and, and that, so was, got, that was that was that was the year where Billy Arnold was the Flames' only representative. I think at that tournament. 
it was <laughs> and and so i got a chance to try literally every snack in the saddle dome and snacks specifically my favorite without question is the ice cream uh i could eat that soft serve ice cream all day it is delicious it's multi ice cream too i believe and it's just it's, fantastic, it's fantastic. And uh, a lot of people like the mix swirl. I, I just get the vanilla. You, you can burn me online all you want, Twitter folks. That's fine. I, I accept it. If I'm at home, depends on the vibe. If it's Saturday, there's a few guys over, pizza and beer. It's classic. You get order a pizza. Everyone splits it up. Maybe get some wings. Uh, if it's just at home snacking, it's a bag of potato chips. It's sour cream yeah. and onion. Let's go. I find with the malts and I'll let Pike answer here soon because I'm curious to hear what he has to say. I'm a malt purist. I'm yeah. A malt purist. Yeah. The ice, the ice cream. I don't get it before the second intermission. I think that's, that's yes. when you got to get it. Yep. You got to, yep. you, you don't, you, you got to save it. It's never, it's never not, get it early. Yeah. Well, cause if it's like, I'll, I'll jump in. So I was my uh, disclosure. My dad was a, a Wrangler season ticket holder in the wow. in the corral and then he was uh, a, a flame season ticket holder in the corral and then he became a flame season ticket holder when they moved to the dome in 83 so my my dad had flame season tickets and a and a one-year-old that year uh and i don't know which one he cried about more uh i'm sorry big bro i love you uh but the the so my, my dad uh, took us to a lot of games so we we developed we developed a routine so what you do is the first period that when you get there like sometimes the first period you get a pop and you get a burr Maybe a hot dog, depending. Depends on how and what kind of vibe it, it is. Then uh, after the after you finish your burger, second uh, first intermission, you sneak down, you get some Twizzlers, maybe get a popcorn, uh, and then yeah, you, you munch on that rest of the day. Usually, usually you can split a popcorn and some Twizzlers between two people, so no one gets too full of popcorn. It's not too much salt. It's not you, you want to find a balance. And then the key is once you've basically finished your meal, you go down in the the second intermission and you get a malt, and that is your dessert. So if you want to, if you want to conceptualize it as it's a sort of like a multi-course meal, of course, a multi-course meal of arena food. So you're going to be filled with salt and fat. So you might as well enjoy yourself. So if you're <laughs> doing that, if you're, if you're going to do the, <laughs> yeah, if you're going to do the experience, you might as well, you know, finish it off right with the malt. Uh, I will say nowadays, now that I, I don't go to games with my father, I'm, I'm very prone to, I, uh, when I'm scouting hitman games, uh, we have uh, the scouts have a thing we call the chicken intermission where second or first or second intermission you get snacky because you're you're you know you've had, already had the, the the scouts meal and you're getting a little bit snacky so you go down to the the cafetorium and you get some chicken fingers and you watch a period or two munching on on uh, tasty chicken fingers so I think th- those are my go tos at the building the chicken fingers uh, pocket dogs and uh, you know the malts those are those are my go tos and at home I'm I'm kind of like Shane I'm. Uh, I'm a pizza guy, you know, pizza, you know, some, something, some kind of a good pizza, maybe some wings, uh, depending on, on your mood. Uh, I'm also a fan of, if you're just sitting around like an afternoon game, kettle chips, I'm a fiend for kettle chips. I routinely, when I go to the store, I get a couple bags of kettle chips because I know it, I'm just going to eat one all by myself. And I want to make sure the other person in the, in the house doesn't get shut out of kettle chips because, you know, Shane, Shane you know, the worst thing is your partner realizing you got chips. You ate all the chips, all yeah. So if, if you have some, made all the chips, that's blasphemous. You're it, sleeping on the couch tonight. Yeah. So <laughs> if you, the, the key to the key to, to, you know, what's the old saying, happy, happy life, happy or happy wife, happy life. Uh, two bags of kettle chips, bring a backup bag. And see when in doubt, if she has a favorite snack while you're porking out on kettle chips, say, I didn't, I didn't eat all the chips. By the way, I got you whatever the hell snacks she likes. See, I got to get ripple chips and then I got to get dip. 
Ooh. But that's 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 the the dip. The chip dip is very important because you don't get the ripple chips unless you get the dip. And that's that's happy wife, happy life. Like I will say this: if I only go to one game a year, I engorge. Uh, if I hit like three or four, the pocket the, the food slows down quite a bit, and it just ends up. If I'm just there as There's- a fan. It's, it's, it's beers. <laughs> if it's, uh, if it's, if I'm there to just watch and I do, you don't do anything. And I just like to actually enjoy the- My, the There's nothing worse than being that guy at the game or being beside that guy at the game. Who's either absolutely overly full of beer or absolutely overly full of food. Cause you're, if you're too full of food, you're just, you're uncomfortable for the third period. You're just not having a good time. So much like anything else, everything in moderation, friends everything in moderation uh, at some point during the off season uh, we will it's always been my dream and we're gonna do this at some point i would like to do a food and brev- beverage guide to the saddle and saddle area as in you know yeah you, you, like they say you know shane you have some friends from out of town coming in for a game they go yeah the bill the dome is too expensive what i want to go grab dinner beforehand what's good I want to, I want to do some, some, you know, we'll come up with a, a guide of the areas around the saddle dome, you know, 17th Avenue, the belt line, the, uh, the Inglewood area. Cause there's some really great places there with some amazing food that, you know, if you're willing to, if you're willing to walk two, three blocks, you're, you can, you can find some amazing, amazing stuff. So that'll be again. I mean, that'll be later on. And by later on, I mean, postseason, as in, after the draft and we have we're looking for things to write about and we're trying to get excited about the new season so michael backland said that too the best thing his favorite thing about calgary said it on after hours with scott oak he said his favorite thing about calgary was the restaurants so just just to add that into your calgary calgary it's in you know i'm in my 30s now i remember when we had a terrible reputation as a food town but the last i'd say 10 years Granted, we've had some really good Calgarians come up with some really cool food concepts. We've seen the rise of food trucks. We've seen a lot of really entrepreneurial people come up with some really cool food options. So now it's a great city. If you want to pay out the nose and get like a $200 steak, there's plenty of places that'll sell you an amazing steak for however much money you want to spend on a steak. There's also some places, some holes in the wall, some places around the corner from someplace else that uh, will sell you some amazing food for like less than 10 bucks. And it'll it'll blow your mind, but not your wallet. So that'll that'll be coming soon, eventually, when we get around to it. Uh, I think that's a good place for us to finish on a level of optimism for the future and for full stomachs. Uh, this has been episode twenty-one of Flames Nation Radio. Thanks for listening to us. For Mike and Shane, I'm Ryan. We'll see you next week.
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.